guys can be seated. Well, good morning. Uh, James, is, James is out of town, and so I am filling in for him today. Him and Deb are uh, on a little vacation, and he's kind of spending some time planning out the next uh, year of, of preaching. And so I'm filling in, so good morning, and uh, welcome to Lake Oma Church. Uh, whether you are in person or online, we are glad to have you here. And if this is your first time joining us, we want to say welcome. We hope uh, this worship service has been encouraging and uplifting to you. So two weeks ago, James finished talking about the Beatitudes with blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then last week he continued or finished up kind of a two-week series on just this idea of being persecuted. And persecuted is one of those topics we always like, oh, isn't it so much fun to talk about persecution? Don't we just love talking about persecution? And we joke because we know that it's something we don't enjoy talking about. But it's something that we have to talk about or that we need to talk about. And it's part of the Sermon on the Mount. And much of the Sermon on the Mount is meant to be kind of this gut check sermon. It's supposed to be kind of a, a self-evaluating type where we think we look at that and we don't just gloss over it because sometimes we think Sermon on the Mount, okay, yeah, I know that. I know the passages on prayer. I know giving. I know all these different things. I've got that covered. But that's not what the Sermon on the Mount is supposed to be about. And I love how we're taking this very slow, that we're doing it verse by verse, that it really helps us think about what does this really mean for my life? How am I living out what Jesus is talking about here in this verse? And so that's going to be kind of where we continue today. We're talking about salt and light, and we're actually taking verses 13 through 16. And so let's, let's get started, and let's look at our text for today. We're going to start Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. You. Now let's just stop right there. And don't worry, we're not going to go verse by verse, or word by word, I mean. But let's think about that you, because we are not there. We are not there. We can't see who Jesus is really speaking to. So we really have to think about, okay, who is Jesus speaking to when he says you? And so if we could think about for a moment, Jesus, let's, Matthew's got him on a mountain speaking to a crowd. And let's think about this crowd as there's different levels of engagement, kind of like concentric circles, where on the outside, you've got people who have maybe heard from a friend about Jesus. They might have heard a word or two that Jesus has spoken, a lesson, but it's maybe through a friend of a friend. Then you've got maybe on your inside, one more circle, one more level in, and you've got maybe the people who have heard Jesus before, and they might have gotten a free meal from Jesus before, and so they're like, hey, I want to come get some more food from Jesus, or I want to hear him again. Then you've got another level in, and these are the people who are kind of maybe on the fence about Jesus. Like, okay, I'm kind of interested in what Jesus is saying, but I don't know. I'm not 100% all the way in. I'm kind of 50-50. And then you've got the most inner circle, which would be his disciples. These are the people who are all in, or as much as being all in as they can possibly understand at the time. So you've got his disciples in this very 
inner circle, this inner group. And within that, there's probably even Peter, James, and John, kind of the more intimate. And then you've got the one whom Jesus loved, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And so you've got that inner circle, and that's probably who Jesus is speaking to here when he says, you. And so he says in verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. And this you is plural. And so it's you guys, you all, or us in Oklahoma, we'd say y'all. And so he says, you all are the salt of the earth. Where individually you are salt, but when you come together, when you come together as the body, when you come together, that's when you are truly salt of the earth. That's when you do the most good. That's when you have the greatest impact, that when you come together. And so it's this collective that you all, talking to his disciples, you all are the salt of the earth. Now we're actually going to skip over the rest of verse 13 for now. We'll come back to it. But I want us to look at verse 14 now, because Jesus kind of repeats himself. He continues this metaphor. And in verse 14, he says, you are the light of the world. Again, you, it's that same intimate group, that core, the the ones who are all in, the truly committed, the followers of Jesus, and it's you all are the light of the world. And, And we've heard these phrases before of you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. And sometimes, like we were talking about with the Sermon on the Mount, sometimes we tend to gloss over things like, okay, yeah, yeah, I know this, Mike, I know this part. Let's go on to something else, something new. Give me something that I've never heard before, maybe. And so I think it's kind of helpful sometimes if we think of, okay, salt of the earth, what if we were to make it, you are the chili pepper of the earth? And I know that sounds kind of funny, but for me, I'm a weenie when it comes to spicy food. Jessica will tell you, I do not do spicy food. She just puts like a tiny bit of pepper or anything hot, spicy. We go to Taco Bell, and I get the mild packet. And even that sometimes is a little too spicy for me. And so for me, when I hear, if I was to say, you are the chili pepper of the world, to me, that, that stands out. It pops. I notice it. It's noticeable. So when Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world, it's this idea that we as Christians, as followers of Jesus, are to be noticeable. We stand out. If we're in a completely dark room and you've got one candle and you light that candle, it's noticeable. It stands out. Even though it's just one small candle, in total darkness, it stands out. It eliminates darkness. Light eliminates darkness. So let's continue on, verse 14. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. But where does this saltiness come from? Where does this light come from? And, And being the salt and light, is it more than just letting our light shine? Is it more than just being noticeable? Because sometimes we as Christians, we do a pretty good job of being noticeable, I think, in the world. Sometimes it's not always in the best way. But we do a good job of being noticeable. But is it is it more than that? What what does it what does it mean? What does it look like? 
And so I want us to look real quick at some different translations from Matthew 13 through 16. This is from the New American Standard. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. The English Standard Version, the ESV, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, this is a New Living Translation. And what I like, why I like doing multiple translations is because sometimes there's a word that stands out that makes us think about it in a new way or puts emphasis on something else. So it says, you are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Now look, look at what the message says. This is what the message says. Let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with it, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. And I, I love that word choice there, that we're to bring out the God flavors in verse 14, and the God colors. I think it's not about our flavor on life. It's not showing our colors, but showing God's flavors and showing God's colors. We're to be like God here on earth. And and look what it says. It says, God, God is not a secret to be kept. It's about sharing God with the world. It's not about sharing myself with the world. It's not about letting, letting the world see me, not about the world letting, letting the world see my and give me praise, but instead so they see God. And then verse 16 in the NIV, it says, we shine our light so that they see our good deeds and give God the glory. It's not so they see Mike, it's so they see 
God. I, I have to have humility so people can see God. And then verse 16 in the message, it says, Keep open house, be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God. It's not so they open up to me. It's not so they turn to me and become a follower of me or think anything great of me, but it's so that they will open up to God. It's so that they will not turn to me, but will turn to God. God flavors. God colors. You know, we, we talk about us being, being the light, and I think that's... That's true. I mean, there's other verses that talk about us as the light or letting our light shine. But where does that light come from? John chapter 8, verse 12, it's a pretty familiar verse. It says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is the light of the world. And as we walk with him, we have the light of life. It's not our light, and it's still not so that people can see me and give me praise, give me honor, or give me an attaboy. It's so they can see the one from whom the light comes from. First John 1 John 1.5, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. And then Ephesians Chapter 5, verse 8, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the world. Live as children of light. And that verse is interesting to me because a lot of times we tend to put a preposition before darkness. Where we say, for you were once in darkness. But Paul doesn't say, for we were once in darkness. He says, for you once were darkness. That we were not just in darkness. Darkness was who we, are, who we were before we knew Christ, before we knew God. We were darkness. But we turn to Christ. God comes into our life, and our being, who we are, changes. That we are no, no longer darkness, but we are now children of light. And so, we talk about us being a light, or letting our light shine but sometimes I think of it more as like we're a window, so to speak. And I'm going to ask Jackson. I've got Jackson Wagnon coming up to help me. He's going to be kind of our part of our demonstration here. So we are... We're talking about us as a window. And so we're going to say, Jackson, Rachel, I'm sorry if he gets a big head after this, but we're going to say he's God right now, okay? Do you know how this works? All right. Don't turn it on yet. I'll tell you when. And so I think of us more of like a window. A window doesn't produce light. A window doesn't produce light. A window just lets light shine through it. And so, Jackson, go ahead and shine the light. And we're aiming for that black thing so people can see the light, so to speak. There we go. Let's see. Hopefully people can see that. We may have to—oh, there it is. 
All right, we got it on the ceiling. Let's, there we go. Hold it right there. Okay, and so I think of it more of that we're a window, that the light shines through. If we've got a completely dark room and you put a window there, it allows light in. It allows the light to shine through. The, the window does not produce the light. We are the window that lets the light of God shine through into the darkness that people can now see, not so that they can see the window, but so they can look past the window and see where the light is coming from. All right, thank you, Jackson. But a window is only as good as the glass that's in it. I've, I've been touching this a lot throughout this week, just moving it around from place to place, and it's got my fingerprints on it. But sometimes windows get more than just fingerprints on it. Or they might get hazy, they might get foggy. Those of us with glasses, now that we're wearing masks all the time, we learn that they fog up quicker and we can't always see as well. Or we're in Oklahoma and we've got this wonderful thing called red dirt and this other thing called wind that blows the dirt all over our houses maybe or on our windows. Makes them dirty. And really a dirty window, there's no difference between a window that's completely dirty where light can't get through and just a plain wall. And so our, our window sometimes, our self, we get dirty and the light can't shine through. It's kind of like also when Jesus says, if salt loses its saltiness. Not to get too uh, sciency, but salt, our table salt, it's sodium chloride. And sodium chloride by itself is, is actually a pretty strong bond that if you just set salt out by itself outside, it's going to stay salty for a while. And so that bond between the sodium chloride, salt doesn't lose itself very well. And so a lot of scholars actually think what Jesus was talking about here was when stuff gets added to it. So we're going to say, I don't know if you can see this, but we're going to say this is our salt. And Greg, I'm going to apologize now if I make a mess. Or if I can even open this. Jared, you want to come up here? <laughs> oh, there we go. And so a lot of times what would happen was not so much that salt would lose its saltiness, but stuff would just get mixed in with it. And so you would have maybe just dirt, other spices, sometimes insects might get it mixed in with their salt. And what happens is not so much that the salt has lost its saltiness, but it just gets mixed in with other things, and it's no longer as salty as it was, or the ratio is off. And really, once you get, start adding other spices or other things, it's no good. You can't separate the salt now anymore from this. Stuff has been added to it. Junk, so to speak, has been added to the salt. Just like our window, junk, 
fingerprints, dirt, mud gets added to it, and its effectiveness is no longer there. And so what's, what's covering up our window? What, what in our life is, is preventing the light from shining through? Is it pride or vanity? You know, we're to bring out the God colors or the God flavors, but, but am I more concerned with bringing out the mic colors in my life? Do I, do I want people to see me and, and notice me? Do I want the recognition? Do I want the praise? E- even if it's good things, even if it's things for the church, do I still want my name, my picture connected to that? Is that why I'm doing it? But you might think, oh, no, 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 I, I'm a behind-the-scenes guy. I don't want the recognition. But I do want that warm, fuzzy feeling that comes with doing good things. And so I'll only do things for God. I'll only do things if I get that good feeling inside. If I feel like I've done something. If it doesn't leave me feeling good, then I'm not going to do it, even if God wants me to. If I don't feel good about it, if I, if I don't have that warm, fuzzy feeling, then I'm not going to bother with it. And so is it my focus on my pride that's hindering my light from shining through? Or is my focus on self distracting me from focusing on other things or completely missing opportunities for serving God because I'm more concerned with serving myself? At our apartment, our windows face the south, and so they lit in, lit in a lot of light and also a lot of heat right now. And so in our bedroom, we've put up the biggest, thickest, darkest curtains we have to keep that light out. And so sometimes in our life, we we put things up to hide the light, to hide our window. Sometimes we might put up a mask to hide our true self, to hide who we really are or to, to hide a sin. Sin, a lot of times, can be a hindrance to allowing light to come into our window. We hide We shrink back, fear of of being known or found out, and the stress, the stress of always having to hide a sin, put on a mask, always always double-checking, triple-checking our past actions, making sure that there's no hint of what we've done, and the focus on that hiding, the focus on always covering up, triple-checking, double-checking every move, again, distracts us from opportunities. And really, the, the biggest hindrance to our window or to our salt is when our self just gets mixed in with it. When we just mix in our self, we rely on our self. We rely on our words, our actions, our human side, and we rely on living through our life and who we are instead of relying on God's Spirit. Instead of letting God's Spirit work in my life, instead of relying on God's Spirit to use me, for God to use me, I think that I've got to do it my way. I've got to do it by my actions. I've got to take care of this myself. And so sometimes to allow the light to shine, we have to take a back seat. 
We just need to take a back seat and let God's Spirit work on and work through us. There's things that can prevent our light from shining through, things that can cloud our, our windows, so to speak. It's, it's our own self a lot of times that gets in the way of God's light shining through. But we also have to think about what kind of light are we living through? Like I said, at your house or where you live, your east window, you might get that first light of the morning. Some people might like that. You might like that getting up with the first light of morning. You like getting up early, but if you like sleeping in, that first light is the worst thing ever. You want to cover it up. But then your south windows, they lit in that midday sun. You get that afternoon heat. And then sometimes the light outside your window is a light you don't even want there. It's an outdoor light, street light perhaps. And when those come on, typically we're sleeping. But if you've got an outdoor light shining in while you're trying to sleep, that's distracting. And so we have to think about what kind of light is even coming in through my window? What kind of light am I letting people see through my window? You know, a good way to test that, to figure that out, I think, is look at our Facebook posts. Is it easier for people to see what we think on certain issues before they even know that I'm a Christian? In my day-to-day life, in my talks, in my conversation, am I letting the Trump or the Biden light, the Republican or Democrat light shine through before I even let God's light shine through? It goes back to not being about myself. It's all about my, the light that God gives me, the light that I have through God. That's the light that we're meant to be shining. We're to be letting God's colors shine through. Let people see the God colors of this world because we're a window that allows God's light to shine through. Now, I think we'd be missing a huge element as we're talking about windows if we didn't talk about broken windows. Because we're all broken. We are are broken people in this world. But broken windows still allow light to come through. Broken windows still allow light to come through. And we might be broken because of our past actions, our past choices. And other times we're broken because of something that's out of our control, because of someone else's actions, someone else's choices. But let me say it again. Broken windows still let light shine through. And we don't have any in here, at least that I've seen but stained glass. Stained glass is broken pieces of glass come together to form a new picture, to form something that's much more beautiful than it was before. Broken pieces put together to allow light to 
to shine through the window so that a new beauty gets to shine through. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we come before you just your servants. God, we come before you with humility, and we want to be your servants. We want to be used by you. God, we want to be windows that let your light shine through so that people cannot see us, so that they don't even give us a second thought, Father, but they simply just look past us, look beyond the window, and see you and give you the glory. God, I pray that we will have the humility to do that. God, I pray that we will have the strength and the courage to remove anything that might be hindering or blocking our windows, Father. Whether it be our own pride or some sin or, Father, even if it's just ourself, God, I pray that we will get out of the way so that you can work. I pray that we will just be your servants, be your agents, that light might shine in the darkness. God, we thank you for your love. We thank you that, that you have brought us out of darkness. Father, we looked at Ephesians where it talked about that we were once darkness. Father, we thank you that we are no longer that because of your son, Jesus. God, I pray that we will be children of light, that we will walk as you would have us walk. God, we thank you for Jesus, and in his name we pray. Amen. Okay, you can put your masks back on. There's a lot of good things in this world. And God is present in many areas of our lives. And so it's important for us as Christians to be people that let those areas of God's presence be seen in order that people might see God more often. We want to help you let God's light shine. Our shepherds and ministers are here to help you and, and encourage you and lift you up with that. We, we love each of you so very, very much. And we want to help you be a more effective window so that people can see God's light. Let's stand and sing.